All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Uh, sorry about the plethora of baby pictures, but um, I'm a dad. It's all I have to talk about. Uh, it is, yeah, I'm completely besotted. Uh, it is a little after four on the 17th of May, 2009. Thank you for those who joined in to the Star Trek Chatathon last night. It was quite a lot of fun. We probably will release it unless anyone has any particular objections. And I would like to thank Greg for the pictures of his excellent Uhuru impersonation. I don't think her dresses were ever quite that high, but uh, it certainly was, um, well, striking, I guess would be the word, uh, as in you'd like to strike out your own eyes. So... Um, we, uh, uh, I guess nothing, nothing particularly new. Philadelphia has been confirmed that I will be giving a speech to what will hopefully be a fairly large crowd, uh, larger than New Hampshire, which raises the possibility of mob violence considerably, which is, well, I'm balanced. I, I'm, I'm ambivalent about it. Um, uh, and so July the 4th, 2009 in Philadelphia, I will be uh, giving a speech and uh, it will be uh, basically about uh, stateless society and social organization. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that you will be able to join us. And perhaps uh, we can uh, do a brunch on Saturday, or depending on how many people are going to be around. Uh, if you all want to see, uh, I guess, Izzy in the flesh, Christina and Isabella will be traveling with me. Uh, and Or I will be traveling with them. <laughs> or basically, Christina and I will be traveling with Isabella, who really sets the schedule. So I hope that you will be able to join us. Uh, of course, we will be videoing and uh, releasing this, that, and the other. So uh, excellent. I'd also like to thank Paul once more for the wonderful, wonderful work that he did on the New Hampshire video. Uh, my understanding is that that is only phase one. Phase two is going to be IMAX um, 3D and include a scratch and sniff that um, <laughs> you may not want to <laughs> open. If, you know, it's really up to you. It depends how yes. vivid you want the anarchist flop sweat to be entering into your sensual media experience. So Yes, just, I'm still working on the software. Still working on the software. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the software for that scratch and sniff is considered a legal virus. So that's just something to remember. Actually, no, the scratch and sniff is not bad because I was traveling with Christina. So the sponge bath, the morning sponge bath was as usual. Sponge bath and square pants is, of course, my married name. So um, we took Isabella to see her first movie last week. We went to go and see The Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. And uh, it was really quite interesting. Not a good film in particular. Pretty forgettable. Um, but I will tell you that, yeah, it's called, what's it? Stars and Strollers. Stars and Strollers. Uh, but I will say that uh, Matthew McConaughey does make you want to do sit-ups. Uh, that is, uh, and brush your teeth until they just turn into this diamond polish. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a great film. I quite like Jennifer Garner, but she doesn't have much to work with in this film. But what was interesting was that there were probably at least 50 other kids there. Babies. I'm going to go with my number. Um, and uh, so th there were quite a number of other babies. And uh, none of them were particularly over, at least once the moms we talked to, over six or eight months, right? Yeah. And some, some a little bit younger. And uh, I will say this, that uh, the empirical evidence so far is that Isabella is simply not like other children. I think, is that, is that a fair statement? She is just not like other children. Would you like to, to tell? You tell. You tell. She was the only, the only uh, baby in the entire theater that was blowing raspberries. There's some, were, some, were, some were crying. You could hear some cries in the background, little sniffles here and there. But Isabella couldn't sit still. She was in my lap. She had arched her back. She was reaching up for my face. She was, looking, she was looking everywhere but at the screen. She was looking at the exit signs and at the, at the lights on the walls. And she started blowing raspberries. <laughs> and I'm 
making cooing yelping. sounds yelping. <laughs> and yelping. <laughs> I'm not interested in the movie. She also uh, she also um, needed a diaper change in the middle of all of that. So uh, unlike the other children who sat calmly for two hours, uh, Isabella was up and about, and uh, she was no longer we could no longer contain her in the in 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 our arms in the chairs. So for part of the movie, I took her and walked her up and down the aisles, and for the other part of the movie. Steph took her up and down the aisles and walked her while she cooed and laughed and burbled and blew raspberries. Uh, and all the other children sat calmly in their mother's laps. Um, so this is our daughter. Um, makes me wonder if she has ADD. <laughs> yeah, it was quite fascinating to see all of the other parents uh, were sitting there. Well, moms, really. I was the only dad there. And there was another dad? Uh, no, I think that was a, a Russian woman. Just kidding. Full beard. No, half beard. Uh, that's how you can tell. But yeah, it was interesting to see all, all of the other parents were just sitting there, you know, and, and bouncing, a bouncing a little. But basically what they were doing was holding some, holding what effectively were glassy-eyed, vaguely drooly sacks of small Canadian potatoes uh, that was that were pretty inert, right? And our babies just arching her back, looking around. <laughs> and... She's got like 90 stories of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge with pecs, which is basically the story of, of the film. She's got nine stories of, of vivid in entertainment in front of her. And all she wants to do is peer back into the darkness at the other babies. And so Christina saw, uh, I saw the first half of the film. Christina walked her around. And then Christina saw the second half of the film. And I walked her uh, up and down the, the corridor and so on because she just was not interested uh, in in the film in particular, but rather in everything else, and in adding her own soundtrack, which was really quite exciting. <laughs> the only baby. The only baby. Every other baby is just sitting there completely placidly, and ours is like uh, I don't know, like somebody just dumped fire ants in her diapers or something. <laughs> but she wasn't in any dis discomfort or distress. No, she yeah, she was really enjoying herself. But man, exuberant. Oh yeah. Then of course, the moment we leave the movie theater, she completely falls asleep. <laughs> so she's still we're still working on her. Um, uh, we're just uh, um, still working on her timing as far as all that goes. But uh, she's, uh, she's doing very, very well. She actually today rolled uh, from her front to her back. And I didn't have to use a spatula or any spring mechanisms this time. Pancake flipper. Pancake flipper, that's right. Um, no, she, she rolled and we got it. Actually, we, she rolled once before, but we got it on video, which is kind of cool. That she's, she's been rolling from her, obviously, from her uh, back to her front. But now she's rolling from her front to her back, which is, which is pretty cool. And means that the great uh, beginning of chasing your child around like Frankenstein, you know, with your arms outstretched, uh, is, uh, no more yeah, no more just leaving her on a bed uh, and just, yeah, okay, well, well, we'll be back, right, you know, after we uh, go to the gym. But uh, no, there's, there's none of that, right? So that's all starting, which, you know, uh, parents will always tell you that the next phase is the really difficult one, right? So, uh, and her sleep is still, still pretty light. Uh, the last couple of nights, she's been getting up at 5.30 in the morning. I think she's having dreams that we're farmers. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, she what? Roosters. Roosters, yeah. She's, she's, uh, and, and she's moaning in her sleep. And I think that's because her dreams are very vivid. She's going through a growth spurt right now. And that's also creates some discomfort for a baby. So she's completely delightful uh, for me pretty much uh, all the time because I don't take her much at night. But uh, for the increasingly haggard and bitter Christina, 5 yeah, 530 in the morning, it's definitely a little rough. <laughs> like, wow, there's light. <laughs> cool. So, all right. Well, that's it. For um, uh, the introduction, uh, as far as that goes, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very pleased with this uh, 
tripartite series uh, on the psychology or certain characteristics of political parties. I quite, was quite pleased. I'm really, really sorry. I mentioned this in the podcast. I am sorry about the background noise for some of these gym casts and so on. Uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, uh, po- podcasting for me is a kind of disinhibition. Like I have to sort of relax into the insights because and, and the language center just has to kind of pump them out. Uh, so I really have to get out of my own way when I'm doing podcasts. And I've tried a number of times to do podcasts, you know, sitting uh, at a desk, uh, in a room, but uh, I have to be doing something. I have to be cleaning. I have to be at the gym. I have to be driving. I have to be uh, juggling. Um, uh, and and so I'm sorry about that. I know it's a little bit of a distraction, but the quality of the podcast is better when I'm not concentrating on the podcast. It's strange, but true. So uh, you might want to check that out uh, uh, there. I, I also put them on YouTube in case you wanted to listen. Occasionally, if I have uh, th- stuff that I'm really happy about, uh, I will put it on YouTube just as a sort of with the logo and, and all that. So uh, I hope that you will, will check those out. But I was very, very pleased with the way that those came out. I, and people who wanted to do libertarianism, they've asked anarchists and so on. But uh, I, I don't know enough about non-ANCAP anarchists to do anything psychological uh, about them. And I've already, I mean, my analysis of the libertarian movement is in my book, How Not to Achieve Freedom. So I don't really feel that there's any need to repeat that uh, analysis anywhere else. So... Uh, barbecue. Yeah. You had some questions? No, not questions really. Just, um... just a reminder, the barbecue is coming up on May 29th. No, sorry, May 30th, Saturday, May the 30th. I know a bunch of people are coming up a day or two early. Um, and um, I guess uh, we need to know before May the 20th or by May the 20th if you're going to be attending so that we can go ahead and, and uh, make uh, appropriate reservations. We're planning uh, to go out for a nice dinner on Friday night. I'm trying to find a... Um, a restaurant with a private room uh, that we can, if, if you know, if there are going to be 20, 25 people, as it seems so far, there may be more. If you haven't signed up, you still have an opportunity to. Uh, so trying to find a nice uh, place where we can have a nice private room and we can all get together and, and have a nice dinner. Then Saturday is the barbecue uh, here at the house. Saturday night, Stuff has arranged a karaoke party. And then I guess on Sunday, uh, the day has yet to be planned, but I'm sure it's going to be fun-filled and full of activities. So uh, if you haven't signed up, please do so uh, by the 20th so that we can make all the necessary arrangements for reservations and food and drink and all that stuff. And we're really, really looking forward to having everybody out here. So please come and join us. It does tend to be a lot of fun. Uh, Once again, looking really forward to it. And uh, if you would like to, uh, please uh, remember that since we are going to be feeding y'all, uh, and there will be, uh, we've we've uh, dug out the big trough uh, around the house. Actually, well, what we've done, we've already got the big trough around the house with the flaming alligators. What we've done is emptied that out, and we'll be throwing some, uh, I think, what's technically called slop uh, into it, and we will all be rooting around like badgers, which should be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and you will of course be doing a lot of gardening, <laughs> right? We want to build a multi-layer. Uh, gazebo hanging gardens thing so uh, we'll spring with waterfalls and uh, and of course the requisite flaming catapults so uh, hopefully you will be so tinyurl.com forward slash 2009 FDR BBQ if you could go there uh, I would really really appreciate that so uh, let us know if you're coming and uh, that would be fantastic how many people do we have we have 29 participants but some of those are bringing more than one person I think if that's right Oh, James. Oh, James. Is it 29 bodies or 29 plus guests? 
No, it's a count. So that's yeah. So twenty nine bodies. Uh, so uh, yeah, we can we can always do more, but uh, it would be great if uh, uh, if you could let us know if you're coming. So yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Last last year was uh, first year was about twenty. Yeah, first year was twelve. First, was it really that few? Oh right, sorry, twelve plus the ecosystem twenty. Um, oh yeah, well yeah, and last year we had about fifteen, but there was a number of people who couldn't couldn't. There's twenty signed up, but a bunch of people couldn't make it. And uh, so there'll probably be a bunch of people, well, some at least, who can't make it. But it's nice that it's increasing. It would, you know, the more the more the merrier. So we hope that you'll be able to come by. So, all right, so that's it for enough boring philosophy slash business slash social business. So um, this is, of course, supposed to be your show. So why don't we say I stop talking and you start? Oh, Paul. Hello. Hey. Yes, I thought I would share with uh, people the emotional roller coaster ride that I went on yesterday. Um, having to do with the get-together in Santa Barbara. And uh, I, uh, after going to the uh, New Hampshire Forum, I really didn't have it in my resources to be able to go to the barbecue uh, at your place this year, although I would dearly enjoy that. Um, so when Alan posted a thread about getting together out here in California, I thought, this is so cool. And uh, I asked Laura, who was the person I brought with me to the symposium in Miami. Uh, so uh, we, I was just all psyched up about going there and meeting people and having a fabulous day talking about all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, as I was driving up to her place Saturday morning, I was like having one of these Maslow peak experiences of how great I was feeling and everything was just fabulous and the world was beautiful. And it was like, wow, I'm going to have a fabulous day. And I get to her place and she makes me a nice breakfast. And we just, I did, she asked me what car do we want to take? And I decided that, well, gee, we usually when we're, out, well, a lot of times we're out together, I'm the one driving, so I say, well, gee, why don't we take your car, okay? And uh, so we take off, and we're about halfway there, and she says, you know, I better get some gas. <laughs> so we pull off the freeway, and we spend about 20 minutes getting gas, and uh, then we get back on the road, and I'm saying, well, how far are we, do we have we yet to go? And he says, well, about half an hour, and I'm going, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> now, the night before, I tried to uh, private message Alan with my phone number, but my internet was down. So we finally left about three something or other. And, uh, you know, I, all last night I kept running through my mind about, you know, what happened? You know, it's just, and it's like, well, of course, it was all my fault, because if I really, you know, had wanted to, to participate, I'd have been there on time. And uh, so all kinds of emotional stuff going through my head, you know, from self-attack to... Sorry, so the, what happened was that we, um, you, you had the wrong time, is that right? Well, I knew it started at 11, and I got there at 11.30, I figured, well, if people are having lunch, they'd still be there. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> Nobody's talked to me. <laughs> I got a, uh, one of the people on this call has said, oh, yeah, they left at 11.30. Right. So, I mean, what is it that you would like to talk about with regards to this? Well, 
obviously I missed the boat and obviously it's nobody else's fault. Uh, it's just that I was thinking that, gee, it would have been nice had somebody made a remark to the restaurant people saying, well, if anybody comes in here after looking for us, we've gone over to the blah, blah, blah. But of course, they didn't have to do that. And, uh, you know, so I'm just sitting here in an interesting stew of emotion, you know, mostly of my own manufacturer and just sort of going, isn't that interesting? <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I totally understand it. It is really frustrating when you're looking forward to something. And you, uh, I mean, for things to go wrong like that, like a whole series of things have to go wrong, right? Like you need to get gas and that takes yeah. time. And, and then people are leaving lunch early and so on. And your internet is down. And, and so like a whole bunch of things have to go wrong in order for something like this to occur. Um, and uh, and that's sort of the way the way that things shake out in life sometimes. It is frustrating. Uh, it is uh, annoying. And um, but but it, it is just part of the natural accidents of being alive, right? That stuff um, stuff just goes wrong sometimes. And and it sort of goes wrong in a I mean so you were kind of chasing ghosts all day right and that that is really frustrating because you don't know whether to sort of keep going or whether to just stop and enjoy the day you know with with you know, the woman you're with and and so on so yeah I, I totally understand that it is uh, it is definitely frustrating um but you know if any one of these things hadn't gone wrong if we hadn't gone for gas uh, or it hadn't needed gas and it hadn't taken so long if your internet had not been down blah 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 then it would have been fine, right? But there are some times where just these cluster of things goes wrong in life, and uh, our tendency then is is to uh, we try we we we'll often make a mythology about it, like we'll make up a whole bunch of stories. You know, like when a bunch of stuff goes wrong, we will often end up saying that this is somehow essential to life, or this is the 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 essence of life. You know, things going wrong, and then we end up getting frustrated. And so often, what will happen is when a bunch of things go wrong. And particularly if we're with someone else, what can happen is we end up fearing attack from from others, right? So I'm I'm sure your friend didn't, but uh, you know it could have been when. Uh, no, I'll give you an example. So when Christina and I were driving, and Isabella were driving to New Hampshire in uh, early March, uh, I put the address of the hotel into the GPS, but I did not bring the phone number or the name of the hotel. Um, and we got there at four in the morning, three in the morning, three, three, it was some God awful time just because we were traveling with a baby and we decided to push on rather than stop and show up the next day. And the GPS takes us to a hotel that is still under construction. And, uh, so that wasn't particularly helpful. And I didn't have the name of the hotel. I didn't have the hotel phone number. I simply had an address that the GPS had gotten wrong or whatever, right? Now, fortunately, Christina did have did remember the name of the hotel, and we were able to to find it. But if she hadn't, we would have had to go to another hotel, right? Pay for a hotel and then switch hotels the next day and all that kind of stuff, right? And you know, we were both very tired and so on, right? So um, uh, I, I started to, as as I'm sure most people do, I started to get mad at myself, right? Oh, why didn't I write down the name? And I start thinking, okay, well, I have a computer, so if I can find internet access, I can get the name of the hotel from blah, 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 blah. Right? But uh, Christina had remembered it. And 
that was the one thing that didn't go wrong, right? No. Not that, right? I was involved in everything else that did go wrong. The one thing that didn't go wrong was what Christina remembered, which is another reason why she's so great. But, um, but a whole series of things that we had to come in really, really late at night to the point, because otherwise I, just, I had the phone number of the organizer of the event. I would have just called him, but of course at three in the morning, he's not up, right? Even though he's supposed to be a libertarian, which means never sleep. Um, you don't sleep, you just wait. But um, so, so when a whole bunch of stuff goes wrong, there is a tendency to self-attack, which comes out of um, our history, right? That we were in a family situation, usually when we were kids, we'd be in a family situation, and whoever was responsible for something, if the family was sort of bad-tempered, like families that don't want to be together are almost always bad-tempered when they're in a group, and they're just looking to pick on someone to discharge that negativity. And so I don't know if this was the case with you when you were a kid, but it was the case with me that we'd go on some trip. And nobody wanted to go. We just, you know, we'd go, I don't know, uh, to a movie or, or go downtown or we'd go, I don't remember, we went um, raspberry picking one once. And nobody really wanted to go uh, except the one person, I think it was my mom who wanted to go raspberry picking or whatever. And um, and we, we, we got lost and, and everyone just gets more and more crabby. So those situations for a lot of us, not everyone, of course, but for a lot of us, they historically have a certain amount of tension because of the way that we were raised, that whoever is organizing it, if a mistake happens and people are just kind of grumpy in general, they'll kind of turn on that person, you know, like jackals on a wounded jackal. <laughs> and um, so it probably has something to do with that. And then what will often happen is we will, because we are self-attacking, either the person we're with will, self, will, will join in the attack of us, right? In which case we'll often end up fighting with them. Or if they don't, we will end up attacking the people we were supposed to meet, right? As if they should have done something to foresee or plan for what went wrong in our meetup with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, there, there are just, you know, there is a baseline of screw-ups in life. You know, everyone uh, has them all the time. Uh, there's, just, there's just a baseline of things that go wrong in life. And uh, if you get yours out of the way now, you're probably not going to have another one for another couple of months. But then you will, and then you'll have another one, right? So it's just a matter of adjusting your expectations and recognizing that the pattern of mistakes leading to attack is not inherent to a situation, but is almost always learned, I believe, or at least in my opinion, is learned from uh, from family situations. But it it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that way. Stuff goes wrong. It's frustrating, and uh, there's still ways to enjoy. Uh, everything going wrong, if that makes any sense. No, no, and I understand. And uh, I, I see this as a way to learn about myself. Um, and I can make peace with it. It's just, it, it's just the not knowing, you know. Uh, I guess if, if I'd have realized that uh, that they would have left by 1130, you know, I, I probably would have thought things differently. And, and it just sort of like the it seemed more informal than it actually was. I, I guess the you know the the one thing that was nailed down was you know was that they were going to start at that restaurant you know and this, but apparently uh, you know uh, <laughs> I misinterpreted how how the schedule was going to go and and had I just gone straight to the planetarium um, probably would have connected up with people. So it was a whole series of decisions that I made that I had control over. Well, and, and not just you, right? I mean, others. Yeah. Generally, when yeah. you're meeting with a bunch of people in a city that people don't live in, you know, the yeah. the mutual exchange of phone numbers is usually the best, the best yeah. course of action, right? Just in case, if someone in any group of five to ten or more, someone's going to have problems meeting up. Uh, there's going to be traffic. There's going to be gas. There's going to be, if someone's going to get lost. Uh, sorry, directions are going to be a problem. Uh, uh, someone's going to, you know, I don't know 
get get a sudden attack of lightning lightning quick gout. Uh, lots of things can occur. Uh, so generally, it's a good idea to just exchange phone numbers, uh, and that's you know lesson learned kind of thing. But uh, it is um, uh, it, it is important. I know it's frustrating, but the, the important thing is just to remember that uh, you've got your frustrating day out of the way, and now you won't have one for another couple of weeks or a couple of months. And if you can keep a frustrating day down to once every couple of weeks or a couple of months, I say it's a pretty damn successful life. No, and once again, I, I'm not. I'm. I want to get total props to Alan for 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 being the the you know the, the guy that uh, put this together and I, I think it was great and I'm I'm I'd be curious to know how it went you know how, what they did I mean all I know is that they went to the planetarium and hung up at the museum for eleven o'clock and and by the way James you, you put in here stop yelling was that referring to me uh, yeah I uh, think he was because you were you were raising your voice a little earlier and no, I think I'll... the important thing to remember is that um, uh, remember that uh, for um, uh, the, the very first list, the very first item, I think, on the agenda for the Southern California meetup was discuss that guy Looney on the board. <laughs> and well, late last that may night, have, that starting... may have influenced um, where they said you should meet them just so that they could get that topic <laughs> squared away, which I believe took them most of the day, if I remember <laughs> rightly. I was trying to get to sleep last night and I stepped my mind kept making up crap up like, well, gee, you know, maybe they decided they all private messaged each other and says, Oh God! This guy Rooney and his crazy girlfriend. We don't want to deal with them. Let's find another place to meet. <laughs> I mean, right, awesome. right, and 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 that's when you know that you've kind of you've you've gone off the reservation as far as know, processing empiricism goes. And and look, we 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 all get those kind of thoughts from time to time. Uh, and so, so I realized that hey, this is just one of those situations. You just gotta laugh, you know, and go okay. Well, the, I found out one way it doesn't work. So. So I want to, you know, I, I want to put the idea out there that I, I totally, you know, uh, everybody else was totally cool. And, and, and obviously I'm not blaming anybody. Uh, and it's just one of those things that just kind of happened. But uh, I'll know next time if I want to be a part of something like this, I'll make sure that I'll do something like make sure there's better, you know, agreements to get phone numbers, get a, a plan of if somebody is not doesn't meet us at this time, leave some sort of way for them to, to, uh, to get back to it, et cetera, et cetera. But, eh, you know. Well, <laughs> and, and remember do. that that won't solve all the problems, right? No, I mean, there's no, certain no. precautions you can take, but there will always be the problem of mistakes and so on going on in the world. Yeah. So precautions are great. It's what we were talking about with Nate uh, a week or two ago about his bicycle. Precautions are great, but risks yeah. are always going to be there. Yeah. No, and I understand it. But I just, I just, I just wanted to... A, just curious what did happen, because I had no facts, and B, you know, hope they had a great time, and C, I'll just, you know, hey, <laughs> move. <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah, I'm sure that they will post some, some feedback on what happened, and I certainly uh, appreciate you bringing this stuff up, because we all deal with these situations in life, and uh, I think it's crazy to say, let's just be zen, go with the flow, and never get frustrated or irritated, because I think that's an unrealistic expectation, but... Uh, I think it's also important to to recognize that this these kinds of mistakes are just a uh, a part of living. Uh, and certainly early on when MapQuest was starting out, it would get stuff, it seems, wrong more than right sometimes. And uh, I ended up in some pretty strange locales trying to get to business meetings and so on. And, you know, it just happens, right? And we, we do sometimes construct this fantasy that it never happens to anyone else. It only happens to us. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and then we start to, to escalate, right? As you say, like, oh, maybe they all just said, well, let's not have this guy. Let's tell him the wrong place. And that, that is, uh, I mean, it happens to everyone. 
uh, it happens to everyone. You know, every time we get the cold, we think, oh, my God, everyone else is healthy. And I'm, you know, I'm the only one who's sick. I mean, it's nonsense, right? I mean, a tenth of the population has the cold, I think, at any given time in the winter. And statistically, it's just part of part of life. So I think irritation and frustration is natural. But I think we want to make sure that we don't start to create some alternate reality mythology that uh, kind of nails us to the wall, if that makes sense. Yeah, but once again, I'm taking this as an opportunity to learn about myself, and and I really appreciate all the feedback I'm getting uh, in in the chat right now because you know, I'm sorry. Look, if if my you know uh, energy and my anger, um, you know, I was just a bit scrolled off the screen here for a second. Where'd uh, where'd that go? But somebody was saying something about how uh, my raising my voice made them feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Wow, I, I need to know this. So thank you. Oh, I guess it was Dan. Um, please, thank you for sharing that, because, you know, I, as you and I, Steph, have discussed uh, at other times, you know, how I how I land on other people uh, is something I need to know. So, yeah, and uh, the other thing that I would do, which I think would be even more important than talking to me, would be to ask your travel companion what her experience was of you that day and if there's anything that you might need to apologize for because i think we've all been there right <laughs> where we we get progressively less enjoyable to spend time with uh, because we're going off on some trip so i think it would be probably good to talk to her and get her feedback on what it was like to travel with you when things were going wrong uh, as they uh, as they so often do in life yeah. Well, actually, well, yes, thank you for the advice. And I was I was keeping myself under pretty good control. And she was very, uh, very sympathetic to me. And uh, I didn't really start getting into the, the, the anger stuff until I was trying to get get to sleep last night because it was like, you know, <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much for all your good advice. And, 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 and I think RTR is ultimately the answer to every relationship. So I, I well, do let's hope so. For the thank feedback. you so much. I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. All, All right. right, we have time for pie more questions. Um, pie. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so last week I. Um, I'm sorry to, uh, to interrupt, but uh, your mic is very buzzy. Uh, could you just try uh, taking back uh, a little bit your your mouth from the mic? Okay. Is that is that better? Yeah, I think so. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. uh, about la uh, so last week, I showed my um, mother uh, real-time relationships, and uh, she, she came up with some interesting criticisms. She's only read about a quarter of it, but uh, she um, there were quite a few of them were sort of about little bits of detail and things all the way through. But uh, one thing is that she said that uh, she said that. Or she thought you were a misogynist, which I found quite surprising. No. Um, Do tell. Uh, always, always happy to uh, hear uh, feedback from listeners. So, what, uh, what does she have to say? Well, it's um, to, to do with uh, I think I think because you uh, said neg said uh, negative stuff about women more than you did about men, um, and. Uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, it's not, it's, uh, I'm just wondering why, I'm sort of wondering why she felt that way, maybe, because I don't, because I mentioned it to other people, and I don't think anyone else, I think it's, everyone's quite surprised about it, so. And by that, I would assume that uh, I talk about, and I don't know, obviously, the proportion, but let's say that it's true that I talk about moms more than I talk about 
uh, dads? Is that yeah, uh, is yeah, that- I, I, yeah? I think so. Or, or I think well, since it was the first bit of the book, it was about um, uh, adult relationships. So yeah, but. Uh, Right. Okay. Because I'm just trying to think back to the beginning of the book. Um, I talk about sexuality and relations, uh, relationships being a bit of a problem. And I analogize it to a man who is wealthy, who gives a lot of like for a woman who, who, uh, you know, couples who have sex too quickly. uh, It's sort of like a guy buying drinks for everyone and then complaining because nobody really feels like his friend. Um, I talk, talk about that. I certainly think in the example that I give in the beginning of the book between, about the couple, I don't think that either one of them come off particularly well. Uh, I don't think that the man is the victim yeah. and the woman is the victimizer. Um, of yeah. course, it doesn't get to really the core metaphor or one of the major metaphors in the book is uh, the Simon the Boxer, which is uh, around uh, men and, and violence and, and repetition uh, in, in relationships. So, uh, I don't think that, uh, like, um, e- equally opportunities, e- equal opportunity, negativity, I think is the, is the key phrase in the book. But yeah. uh, I, I'm sure, uh, like what I'm quite sure about is that my writing about, uh, mothers is more detailed and vivid than my writing about fathers, right? Uh, for the simple reason that, I never really knew my father, and therefore I can't write with the same degree of knowledge, of personal knowledge, uh, about fathers, right? I mean, that's a limitation of my history, and I can't, I can't overcome that because it would be like trying to speak, a, pretending I speak a language that I just don't really speak. So uh, you might want to pass along to your mother that, uh, obviously, as a man, my dating relationship has been uh, mostly with women, the occasional farmyard animal if I'm far away in the woods but um mostly with women and therefore it would be more uh, it would be more vivid for me to talk about uh women in relationships rather than men uh, because i can only judge men by the men i've talked to about relationships or myself and so that's less vivid for me and also i grew up without a father and therefore i'm probably going to write a little bit more vividly about moms than than dads but i don't think that there's anything like where i have an equal uh, i don't think i have an equal balance of experiences between men and women, but I simply write more negatively about women. I would say that my experience uh, as a son with a mother and uh, a man dating women would be more uh, with women than with men. And that would be my answer to that. Uh, I don't know whether that would be satisfactory to her or not, but you can also remind her that men get a fair amount of slagging later on in the book. So (laughs) that might help her. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, yeah, I think that's sort of what I, what I felt it was just um, I was quite because because she put she kept on well she when she was talking about it to me she kept on she repeated that uh, quite a few times so obviously it felt quite important for her. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I sorry to interrupt. I I think that misogyny is sort of like it's like the, it's like the charge of racism. I think. Look, maybe there's some misogynistic aspects that of myself that I don't know about, that female listeners have never called me on, that my wife doesn't know about and has never called me on. I don't think that's the case. I think that would be stretching the possibility of a lack of knowledge to the point where we might as well just say God might exist, right? So uh, maybe there is that. I don't think so. But I think that misogyny, like racism, is one of these... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very negative thing to say about someone. And I think that you don't want to, if I were to say to your mom, I would say, and, and certainly if she ever wants to talk to me, I'd be happy to talk to her if she, would, if she would consent. But I don't think that your mom would want to lay that charge on me without, I mean, without evidence sounds like, you know, she's got to prove a case or something, but without, like, just based on this 
makes me feel uncomfortable, therefore maybe it's misogynistic. Uh, it's one of these charges that, that when you throw at people, you know, it's a little bit like the word cult, right? You, you throw it around and, and for some people it's just going to leave a residue. And, and the terrible thing really about charging someone with misogyny when, if, if that person is not misogynistic, is that what you're basically doing is you're charging someone with bigotry without evidence, which is itself bigotry, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you don't want to point that gun and have it go off in your face. And that is, again, not to say that maybe there's something that I'm missing, either in my own character or in uh, the book uh, as a whole or any of my books. Um, I don't, and certainly the women in the call here can, you know, put in the chat room, please please be frank, right, as always, that if they feel that I have um, uh, negative views of women that I'm not aware of, uh, you know, please let me know, because that kind of feedback is obviously very important for me. I'm, I'm raising a daughter, right, so I, <laughs> I want to make sure that that's not... Uh, that's not there. I've certainly not heard that from uh, any of the female listeners. Um, it's not been part of something that I've uh, been accused of before. Christina doesn't uh, feel that that's the case. Um, so I think your mother might want to, you know, revisit that, or you might want to talk about that with your mother, not with regards to me, but if she's going to use uh, a bigoted uh, judgment of someone without evidence or counter to the evidence, then she's actually doing the wrong that she's accusing someone else of. And I think that's not a good way to approach uh, an ethical evaluation. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a very good idea because I, I sort of started. I I did talk to her about and what uh, she was only saying it after reading a time of the book, and she agreed. But but she had made she did say, it, but she should have known that herself. Like she should, should have um, like uh, she'd only um, sort of read it the day before, read a bit the day before, and sort of came up with all whole list of criticisms right i mean so, uh, yeah i yeah. think i think the thing is you know just just ask for the evidence right and and uh yeah if she if she if it's just a feeling right then you might want to point out that calling someone uh immoral or um unjust just based on a, a feeling is how is that distinguishing how is that distinguished from racism right just saying well blacks are x or chinese or y yeah. or whatever mm -hmm just because you feel that way. I mean, you do sort of have to provide, I think, proof for these things. And if you don't, then you're actually manifesting the sin that you're uh, heaping on someone else, right? Uh, as someone, a woman has just written in the chat room, she says, when I first started listening to Steph, I, I told, I guess, uh, uh, ex some guy, that I thought he didn't like women, but that had more to do with my fear of what Steph was saying. It made me uncomfortable. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's the case with your mom, because I don't know, but uh, it, it may be something to examine. I, I think it's tough to be, I think it's tough to be accused of misogyny if you are an anarchist, because the state is so overwhelmingly male that I think it's hard to say that you dislike women when the major target of your moral vituperation is the state, which is overwhelmingly male, or the church particularly the Catholic Church, which is, of course, overwhelmingly male. So I think, um, I guess I could be accused of being a misanthrope, but I don't think I could be accused of being uh, against women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, hopefully she will, uh, she will read a little bit more uh, and realize that it's people as a whole I just don't like. No, I'm kidding. But hopefully she will uh, read a little <laughs> bit more. And uh, I'm also thinking, and, and if you're in the chat room and are listening to this, or if you hear this in the future, please let me know what you think. Um, I'm working on uh, a second edition of the FDR books, and uh, one of the things that I was thinking of 
releasing was uh, RTR without politics, right? RTR without uh, any examples from statism or foreign policy or whatever. So just, uh, you know, the pared down version just for personal uh, personal relations. Uh, so uh, let me know if that would be of interest to you. I think that would be something that people would be more comfortable in uh, in handing out to people without feeling that they were, you know, being asked to march in the parade against the corporate fascistic structure or whatever. I mean, I like uh, I like the stuff that's in there, but I think it's more for people who are familiar with this conversation, um, this philosoph- philosophical conversation, rather than newbies who are just interested in their relationships. Um, so I'm very pleased with the way that the book came out with regards to this conversation, but I don't think it's something that can be easily handed out to others without context. And uh, it is the book that I think can be most easily handed out to others if we, um, uh, if I were to take out some of this stuff. So, Yeah, thanks. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, do, do let me know what, uh, uh, what she thinks of the rest of the book. And, uh, and certainly if she, if she feels at the end that uh, there is uh, uh, aspects of misogyny in there, I would certainly be happy to, to hear. Uh, if she would like to talk to me, I would certainly be happy to hear more criticisms about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll let her know. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much. Appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it's so early. And uh, Isabella is now up and writhing around on mommy's lap. Because stillness is death, is not an option. (laughs) Failure is not an option, and stillness is failure. Her body moves like the surface of the sun, you know, boiling, rolling, (laughs) squirming, arched back, rolling around. Yeah, she's she's not a baby to sit placidly in your arms and stare meaningfully into your eyes, for sure. She's She's a twisty bot, no doubt. Uh, somebody asked, how is the superhero series coming along? It's coming along all right, but I can't find uh, the right tightness of tights uh, for the video. So uh, there is a certain amount of challenge. Uh, it's either too loose, uh, which feels uh, wrong, or it's too tight and the package outline is just uh, uh, makes, it's going to make everyone uncomfortable. So we're still working, uh, we're still working on that. Uh, but uh, I think that it's going to come down to spray on spandex. Uh, but, uh, obviously, um, I'm, I'm going to apologize right here for that mental image. So, oh dear, everyone's leaving the chat room. <laughs> Can't blame you. Next question, please. Uh, Steph. Yeah. I wanted some tips, um, on working with children and, um, with the upfront acknowledgement that I know you've had some questions about um, uh, the particular um, kinds of volunteer programs working with young children that may be from a broken home that you don't want to put them in a situation where they realize they're they're um, they're stuck there for forever and um, but I I, I went ahead and volunteered because there's still there's still things that I can do that that um that can you know make a difference of night and day oh listen I, I don't want to get into whether it's good or bad I think it's fantastic that you're doing it so um why don't you just go ahead with the questions um well I just I I kind of want to know what um kind of I can do kind of things that I can do or or what I should and shouldn't be saying it's more like it um, because I don't want to, um, 
I don't want to. What what happens? Let me just tell you about the situation. So what happens is I visit once a week at his elementary school, and I work with this teacher on the time and stuff like that, and um, we just we kind of hang out and either we play video games, we throw the ball around. Of course, it's Houston and it's really hot right now, and we can't really do that as much. But at first, we were we we're kicking the ball around outside, and um, and I, I go every Wednesday at lunchtime. And um, and we'll play a board game. He's not really particular to board games. He likes the video games, and there's stuff that you can play on the computers there. And we just sit there next to each other and have fun with that. And um, every now and then he'll open up and and say something about his family, or he'll ask me a question, and and I'll I'll try to answer it. And and just last Wednesday he asked the the big question about my family, you know, and where they are. And uh, and I I I don't know if this was a mistake, but I, I mentioned that I I don't see them anymore, that I haven't seen them, and they they, they weren't good people. And um, he 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 reacted in in a way way that's like, wow, you hate your parents, and he's like, I, I'm like, well, yeah, they they aren't good people, and um, I just sort of left it at that, and. I don't know if I should have said that or, or I was just, I feel a lot of doubt about, you know, how much should I tell him? You know, if I don't open up to him, how, how can I expect him to open up to me? And, um, you know, I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants and going with whatever my gut tells me. And, and it's kind of, um, I, I'm afraid, I, I feel like I, I'm going to ruin something or mess something up the whole time. Um, what was his um, what was his experience of you telling him that you hate your parents? He seemed shocked, and um, I don't think it was uh, a genuine shock. It was more like um, that's bad because. Um, everyone tells me that that's bad sort of shock right now why is it that you didn't ask him what he thought or felt about what it is that you were saying i i, I don't know why i didn't ask <laughs> oh look at him he's so cute saying he doesn't know <laughs> oh, oh well, come okay. on say it again say it again i like it when people do this <laughs> damn it <laughs> of I course you know, know these things by now because um, you were uncomfortable with the topic and you wanted to move it along as quickly as possible, right? As if you'd just driven over a dog in the middle of the night and didn't want to go back, right? Right, so that was probably the worst thing. No, no, <laughs> no. Wanted... Forget, 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 okay. forget worst, best. I mean, who cares, right? Because we're just trying to figure out what your experience was. Because if you can't process your experience, then he can't process his, right? Right. Right. So um, you tell him, hey, uh, sorry, someone just asked, roughly, how old is he? Early He's teens, 10. late 10. Fourth grade. He's 10? Yeah. Sorry? 10. 10. Okay, so um, why... Um, so, so he asked you this question, and you immediately felt anxious, right? Right. Uh, yeah, anxious, and the thoughts were, were what I just previously mentioned, that, that I, I don't know how much I should be telling him. Oh, no, I'm, I'm telling him too much. I'm shocking him. I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? I'm panicked. 
Right. So, and I don't know your relationship. I don't know the maturity of this kid, but um, what would have been the most honest thing to say to the boy the moment that he asked you? Uh, that I'm anxious about telling him that. Well, you, you're you're asking me like it's a question. You know, you're the one who well, knows that, that I'm anxious about telling him that, and um. And, I find it very uh, difficult to talk about my family. I feel very anxious about this, and uh, I would rather focus on my relationship with you rather than, you know, my relationship with my family, which is a whole other topic. Right, because you would rather he hadn't asked the question, right? Right. Right now, uh, you... although I'm, 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 no, I'm actually I'm kind of ambivalent about that, because on one hand, if I if I'm not opening up to him, how can I expect him to open up to me? And and no, no, no. This, but this is not an equal relationship, right? I mean, it is true among friends that you should have equal level of openness, right? But it right. is not true that between adult and child, you should have equal level of openness, right? Right, and there's that whole age-appropriate information thing that I, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I mean, so so I mean to take I don't know some some example. I get a pimple on my ass, right? Uh, I I might tell Christina. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell Isabella, right? Right. Right, because right. it is it, it is not an equal and reciprocal relationship between parent and child, right? Or between right. adult and child. So, um, I mean, so so if, if, to... sorry, just, just another example, right? So if, uh, if we have, uh, if, if Christina and I have money worries, we will, or if I have money worries, right? Oh, donations are down, whatever. Then I will talk about that with Christina. When Isabella is older, I won't talk about it with Isabella, right? Because she can't do anything right. about it. So it's, it's, you don't give people information, uh, when they can't do anything about it, in my opinion, of children, let's just say, right? Okay. All right, because I was going to ask, how do I know? <laughs> but yeah, okay, that, that I, can, I can go by that. Another example uh, which uh, Greg has pointed out in the, um, in the chat room is that a therapist expects the client to open up to the therapist, but the therapist is actually not supposed to open up to the client, right? Right, that's true. Because that is also not an equal relationship. It's a mentor relationship. Right. Damn like your, your boss can come and say, what did you do this morning, right? But you can't necessarily go into your boss's office and say, what did you do this morning, right? Right. Right. Wow, I didn't, I didn't think of all those well, you're not used to being in a position. You're not used to being in a position of authority, right? No, and this is really scary for me. I, I don't know what... I feel like I'm just flying by the seat of my pants, and this is the most I've I've revealed to him about me, other than you know, well, he asked me where I work and stuff like that, and that's fine. It's like, well, I do this, right? But but you don't need to have a project plan. You need to be emotionally honest, right? And your instincts are telling you that this is not something that you want to discuss in great detail with him, right? Because the anxiety is actually not a bad feeling, right? Right, because your anxiety is saying. 
like if, if you and I are having a conversation, you don't normally bite your tongue six ways from Sunday because you don't want to share, right? Normally you're, you're quite pleased with and eager and comfortable with the sharing, right? Yes. So that's a situation where your anxiety is not spiking because it's appropriate, at least I hope it's appropriate, to share uh, in a conversation with me, right? Because we're both adults and, and so on, right? Right. But in this situation, since it's adult child and it's, it's mentor mentee or mentos, I don't know, whatever, whatever you would call that, then um, your anxiety is rising because part of you knows that it's not appropriate to talk about that with a kid because he's not going to have a context. It would take a long time to explain the context of your relations with your family to a child, and it would actually probably be quite scary and traumatic for him to hear all of that, right? And inappropriate in certain areas as well, right? Because telling a kid about your family is like taking him to see Saving Private Ryan, right? Yeah. It's like, holy, that's kind of overwhelming, right? Yeah. Wow, how do I, how do, I uh, do a disaster recover on that? Well, first of all, I would not say that it's a disaster, right? Don't escalate, right? I mean, a disaster would have been, and, and here's a picture of my bruised face when I was 12, right? Oh, and, right. You no, know, but you gave him a full on multimedia presentation and sat and bored and frightened him for two hours talking about your history. That would be a disaster. So, first of all, uh, I think recognize that you handled it quite well, in my opinion. Yeah, this is you, you gave him a bare minimum of information. You didn't lie. Now, I don't think that you, you listened to your instincts and were honest with him, where saying, you know, I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking about this with you, if that's all right. Or I don't feel comfortable talking about this, if that's all right. It's not, it's not really relevant to our relationship. And my, you, know, you could say, well, my, my family is all, all kinds of complicated, and I, I really want to focus on my relationship with you and not you know, bring all that stuff into it. Because that's kind of what and, you, you... You didn't want to talk to this kid about your family, right? Right. Right, so it's okay to say to someone, I don't want to talk to you about this, right? And you can say it in a nice way or whatever, right? But so, you know, it's, it's, you, you trusted your instincts in that you gave a bare minimum and you're bringing it up, which I think is a fantastically useful thing to do. But this is just part of, you know, trust your instincts. You know, I don't feel comfortable talking about it. The reason why we're so scared to set boundaries, because what we're talking about here is setting a boundary in the relationship, right? The reason that we're so scared about setting boundaries, Nate, is because whenever we set boundaries, in, if we came from these kinds of families, whenever we would set boundaries we would be attacked, right? Exactly. Right. So uh, boundary setting is equivalent to attack. And so the anxiety, the confusion, the not knowing what to do, the impossible situation, the stress, the tension, all of that arises because of the history of attack. And uh, I think it's just important to, to muscle through all of that stuff in your own mind and say, look, if I'm feeling this tense about it, it's not a good thing to talk about with this person right now, right? Right. Which was the same thing that was going on with this uh, woman at the, the sports league, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just you yeah. trust your instincts. I don't feel comfortable talking about this right now. Look, and I say this as a guy who, I mean, it's not like I'm always listening to my instincts. I really try to, but I miss the boat at times as well, without a doubt, right? So, uh, so I'm, again, right in the trenches there with you, trying to listen to this. Because uh, uh, my instincts are either too quiet or they're overwhelming. Right, I, I'm trying to get them to the right volume where they're informative but not short-circuiting me. <laughs> so uh, that is a real challenge, and that just involves a more more ecosystem balance and openness. But I find that, that either I just feel a slight bit of unease, which I kind of dismiss, or I feel sort of an overwhelming tension, which kind of is more of a para para uh, more more paralyzing than than motivating. 
so um, I, I mean, I hope that, that you understand. I'm not trying to yell down from the mountaintop of perfection on this issue. It is a very challenging and difficult issue because so much of a statist and religious society is about attacking the instincts because the instincts lead to egalitarianism and atheism. Yeah, I've, I've, um, it's become a lot like, and, and I, 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 I thought of this as a metaphor when I started doing this, um, skating thing. Um, how, how, if I go with my instincts when skating, I'm going to fall down <laughs> because, um, it's not the same as walking or, or anything like that. It's like, if you don't speed up instead of slow down and, you know, curl into a ball, then you're going to fall. So it's, it's, it's like kind of like that for me in terms of my defenses and, and, and my, or my uh, instincts or trusting them or, cause it, it feels like, like with the lady with the singles group, um, I, I had all these, what ifs, you know, what if I'm, you know, what if this time it's, it's my, my, my instincts are wrong and I'm, and I'm being prejudgmental and, and, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not right this time. Maybe, maybe she's just having a bad day or, or. <laughs> well, sure. And, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, empiricism is, is always the key, right? Um, so there's nothing wrong with saying, is she having a bad day? Because then what you do is you wait until the next day and you wait and you see if, if she comes back in you and says, oh man, I'm, I was really, uh, abrupt with you yesterday. I'm, I'm very sorry. Uh, I won't do it again or whatever, right? Right. But if that doesn't occur, then, you know, your instincts uh, get gain validation, right? And then at some point, it's just, you know, there's nothing but validation, right? Right. So my, my suggestion with, with, uh, with the boy, and again, I don't know your relationship, so, you know, please never anybody substitute my judgment for yours, right? But this is just my, my thoughts about it, and you can... Uh, uh, mull it over or tell me I'm, you know, full of, full of nothingness. But, uh, my suggestion would be, I don't think you want to now completely ignore the topic because you opened a can of worms, right? Yeah, I was going to And then you'll be you teaching know, him, like, now. if you, if something awkward happens, you just ignore it, right? Right. Right. So, so say, uh, that this would be my speech if I were in your situation and, you know, obviously don't, don't take anything I say with, with any, any particular significance, but this is just my, the way that I would approach it is I'd sit the kid down and I'd say, um, um, look, uh, you asked me about my family the other day and it, it kind of caught me by surprise. My relationship with my family is complicated. And, um, uh, so I don't want to talk about my family with you, uh, not not because I don't think you're smart or not because I don't think, you know, we're close or whatever, but just because it's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this to be about me and my family. I want this to be about you and me, like our relationship. And, and my stuff with my family does not come into our relationship. So, uh, but, but that having been said, you know, you, you did seem to me to be surprised or, or maybe even shocked when I told you. So tell me what uh, you thought about, if anything, or what you felt when I told you this, right? And I would stay on his feelings and not give more information about your family, but focus on his feelings so that you've got a boundary, but you're not, the boundary is not dissociation. The boundary is not ignoring things, right? Because that's not a boundary. That's just fog, right? That's just getting lost, right? That's not having a line. That's just having murk, right? So I wouldn't, because he was surprised and shocked, and this is a big fundamental thing, right? To, to, to pierce the automatic virtue of the family or whatever is a big thing. And 
what it will do is uncork any ambivalence he may or may not have about his family. And again, I don't want to know. I'm just, it may or may not. So I don't think that you want to, um, I don't think you want to ignore this because there was some awkwardness. I think you want to ask him how it was for him uh, with the goal of of having, and, and then if he asks you more about your family, say, listen, I mean, I really want to stay focused on what you thought and felt, right? I mean, we can talk about my family maybe at some point in the future or maybe when you're a little older, but um, I want to, I really do want to understand what you thought and felt when I said it and afterwards and if you thought and felt of anything about it since, right? It's just stay focused on his uh, thoughts and feelings and experiences. I think that would be the way that, that I would, would approach that, if that makes any sense. That sounds good. I, I can do that. And, and I mean, fantastic for you, right? You, you're teaching him a lot, right? Right. To, and, to, that his feelings are valid and, and that, that they mean something to somebody. And Yeah, that, that, that not you, all you could, adults are... <laughs> Yeah, that, that yeah. you can say something that you weren't particularly comfortable with. You're not going to ignore it. You care enough about your relationship with him, about his feelings, about your feelings to come back and revisit the issue uh, and make sure that he's okay and listen to whatever he's got to say about it or whatever, right? So uh, I, I think that's that's really important, right? So it's not a mistake unless you fumble afterwards, right? Right. Like if you, if you were to, and I'm not sure you would, right? I'm sure you wouldn't, right? But if you were to say to yourself, well let's put the cork back in this topic and let's pretend it never happened, that would be a mistake, right? Giving okay. a little too much information while in a surprising situation of stress, bah, you know, so what, right? On the scale of problems in this world, it doesn't even register, right? But where the, because every mistake is an opportunity, and I know it's a cliche, but it is absolutely true. Um, right. But going back and circling, right? Like getting mad at someone, lashing out at someone, which I know you didn't do, but even if you did, that's not the mistake. The mistake is what happens afterwards, right? If that makes sense. Right. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm going to do that on, on Wednesday then and, and just let you know how that goes. Um, have that conversation. I listened to your podcast on, um, what was it, teaching? It was like a really old one. They were giving some guy advice on, on how to get the attention of the class and, and to be you know, honest or, or just like pull the class on what their thoughts or feelings are about the. Yeah. I remember that. Was good. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so I've, I've kind of tried to use that. I did. And I, I've been ambivalent about, you know, okay, how much honesty is appropriate in, in this particular situation. And, and I, I take a look around and I look at the school he's in and, and the way they, the way they treat the kids is it's just not, <laughs> It's not optimal, <laughs> and it's quite suboptimal. I would say it's pretty bad. And I, I, I think that you, I mean, these are all the very difficult uh, issues to deal with 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 children, and uh, I think that you have a lot, a lot, a lot to be proud of uh, in what you're doing with this kid. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to try that on Wednesday then, and let you know how it goes. Yeah, and look, he may uh, he may just shrug and say, "Oh, I'm nothing," right? And that's yeah, fine, I right? kind of expect that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then my suggestion would be, uh, you know, wait a week or two and just say, "Listen, just in case you had any other thoughts, I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to keep bugging you about it. But just in case you did have any other thoughts, I'm happy to hear about them. And if he doesn't right want to talk about it, then just leave it, right? Because uh, if if he does have thoughts about it, doesn't want to talk them right now, trust his instincts, right?" I mean, right. and, and then, you know, trust him to, to bring up what he wants to bring up 
at the right time, right? Like, you right. know, we trust his body to go into puberty at the right time. We can trust his instincts to bring up certain topics at the right time as well. So, uh, you know, the, the reminder of availability and remembering the, the issue um, is, is important. Uh, and then, you know, we don't want to stalk other people's inner lives, right? Just being available uh, is, uh, uh, is the important thing. And uh, if he wants to talk about it, it's the right time. If he doesn't want to talk about it, it's the right time too. Great, great. Um, oh, just one more question about, and this is more practical, maybe. Um, l let's say he, we're playing a game, and um, uh, we're, we were playing Battleship in this in this uh, situation, and and I, I kind of gathered that because he was not so interested in following the rules, that he was probably not interested in the game. What do you, do you think I might have been right on that, or? He, he was a little, you know, hyperactive. He was happy that that day, and this kind of unusual for him because he's usually a calm, a calm one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, he was. I I I don't want to like try to control him in any way. I I want to let him feel free to just express himself and and do what he wants. Um, and if he's not interested in following the rules, and I assume he's not interested in playing the game, so I kind of, you know, wrapped it up there and said, well, hey, let's pick all the pieces up and and we'll we'll do something else. So you were trying to play Battleship, and what was he, what was he doing that was not um, not in the rules? Well, was he using he was, the wrong class of U-boat? Sorry, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was... Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if he just maybe didn't understand them well enough, and, and maybe this is, I don't know if that's, it, on the box it says, you know, that it's within his age, age range, but um, it, it's uh, that he wasn't... Well, sorry, uh, what is the upper limit to the age range? Because it may be that you're too old for it and don't understand it. <laughs> sorry, go on, just kidding. Oh, I, actually, I like that game, I really, it's one of my favorites. Um, right. I mean, my, my suggestion would be, like, if he's just not that interested in the game, just say, well, what do you think of this game? Do you think it's a good game or it's a bad game or whatever, right? He may not feel comfortable because he's been in public school, right? So he may not feel comfortable saying he doesn't know, right? Because that's something that the teachers always get other kids to laugh at you or whatever, right? Or, or at least that's what generally happens, or at least they don't, right? Uh, right? So just, just ask him, what, what is his experience? You know, tell me, do you think it's a good game? Do you think it's a bad game? Uh, did, were you interested originally and now you're not? Or, you know, just actually just try and understand what his, uh, what his process is, right? That's what I thought. I need to just <laughs> do that. Yeah, and the other thing, if you remember, if he asks you questions, look, th there's a reason he asks you about your family. And, you know, kids are incredibly smart, right? Uh, this is something I've been, I've been meaning to do this for a while, right? Which is to do a, a parenting podcast reminding parents, I am absolutely planning for Isabella being smarter than I am. Right. Right. I mean, because genetically and statistically, it, it may not happen, right? But genetically and statistically, that is the most likelihood. And certainly that does, she's way ahead uh, so far, at least, who knows, right? But she's way, she's done everything really early so far. So I, yeah, and she's uh, she's sitting now. Actually, just today, we're maybe upload a photo at the end of the show. She's sitting. Right. Uh, she's actually sitting up, right, uh, with better posture even than me. But uh, actually, it's not hard, right? So, so I plan for her to be smarter than than I am, which means yeah, that I, I better not. Yeah, he's been math. I'm sorry. 
he's been teaching me the math and i'm I like i'm like do you need help right, with your homework right. he's like yeah and then and then i end up you know he's you know teaching me stuff and that i didn't know absolutely and and also they are um uh, they have access to more information than we ever did, uh, and they have access to, to a greater variety of information than we ever did. Uh, you know, they're growing up digital. Uh, they're they're just smarter, right? And I mean, if you you know, if you heard Tom's interview with uh, with uh, Tom Whipple from the Times, uh, I mean, Tom was just stone genius during that. I mean, there's no way in hell I would have been able to do that at 18. So the next generation is just a damn sight smarter than us creaky old fogies, and. Um, uh, so he's going to be, uh, he's going to be smarter, right? So, if he's asking you a question about your family, I can guarantee you it's because he's picked up on something, and I can also guarantee you that because he's a kid, uh, his empathy centers are still developing, and so it's most likely to be about something that triggers something in him, right? Not because he's, you know, there's no such thing as a narcissistic kid, right? It's just that that's where they are in terms of empathy development, right? And so if he asks you something about your family say you, you you can say well we can talk about that perhaps but first i want to know why why did this thought come to you can you can you tell me what right getting wow. kids to understand the sequence of their thoughts is so so important if there's one thing that you can teach kids and nothing else it is to understand how they came to that thought i and this is going to sound all kinds of stupid right but but when i was um, a kid and i remember this from the age of 5 onwards I would, I would literally, I would sit there and I'd say, I'm thinking of a red truck. Now, why am I thinking of a red truck? And I would sit there and I would trace my thoughts back and it would start off at something complete. Like I saw a cloud, which then was like a tree. And then underneath the tree was, you know, a green uh, bush, which reminded me of a green truck. And then I would think of a red truck. Like I would follow the patterns of association. It was just something that I did for, for amusement. And, and teaching him that his thoughts are important and the source of his thoughts, the pattern of his thoughts, the associations of his thoughts are absolutely very critically important. Uh, I think to say, well, why is it? What, what made, what, when were you thinking about this? Why, why do you think you're asking the question? What thoughts came before? And why do you think you want to know? Like getting him to understand the sequence and pattern of his own thinking is absolutely, I mean, that's giving him that third eye to observe his own thought processes is the fundamentals to a happy life. You cannot have a happy life if you don't have that third eye that views your own actions and is curious about them. That, you know, that fundamental ecosystem of the observing ego is absolutely essential. And you can do a huge amount to teach him that just by being consistently curious about his thoughts. What did you think just before that? And what did you think just before that? And why do you think you were thinking about this? And, you know, getting him to think about his own thinking, that is the highest order intelligence that, that you can give to him. And it will be the source of uh, maturity, wisdom, happiness, and intimacy. Because if you can't describe your own thinking and understand your own thinking, you cannot open your heart to anyone because you remain a locked box mystery. Wow, that's that's awesome. I'm going to do that. I'm just I, I, I can't. I almost can't wait to to see him again. And, and that's 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 very helpful. Right, right. Okay, well, good, good. And, uh, um, you know, in teaching that to others, uh, uh, I mean, I, I've grown so enormously through this conversation, right? Because in, in giving that gift to others, you remind yourself how important it is and really helps you with that too. But, I mean, that's something that uh, is so important for kids. The one gift I could give to kids, it would be to, to give them the gift of noticing their own thinking and the patterns and, and sequences of their thoughts, because that is 
the essence of a wise, mature, and happy life. That's just great. Yeah, I I do that too now, actually. <laughs> yeah, how the hell did like? Why am I thinking about this, right? And to notice that repetitive thoughts are not demons to be, you know, fought down and 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 attacked, right? Um, in primitive movies, horror movies, right? The, the the monster is always something that they keep attacking, and then the monster keeps coming back to life, right? Right. And uh, right. you know, they stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast, the right? Beast. But uh, that's not uh, that's not how things work in reality, right? You have to hug the monster, right? You have to embrace the monster, and you have to try and figure out the origins of the monster. And uh, remember, Frankenstein was the doctor, not the beast, right? So the one who created it, which is us. <laughs> yeah, I remember you included that part in the uh, God of Atheists. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. I think that was an excellent topic as always. And thank you so much for bringing all this stuff up. I, and you got some fantastically positive feedback, as always, in the chat room. So thank you so much for, uh, for bringing that up. All and, right. Uh, I noticed that we have some people in the chat room, and I'm not going to point them out by name, Alan, but um, I was just wondering if uh, uh, th these are the people who, um, uh, who embrace the psychological topics much as a man with a chicken box might embrace a cactus. A what? Oh, no, no, they, they don't uh, embrace it. And given that um, there are, are, are philosophical and economic topics which we have been known to dip into, uh, or even political or current event topics, if the people who don't like so much the psychology would like to jump in with another kind of question, uh, I would be more than happy to uh, to talk about uh, other issues. And this can be something which isn't even a question, but just something that you've noticed about current events or some observation that you would like to make, which I will then turn into a criticism of your psychology. No, I'm just kidding. I will be more than happy to listen to it if you would uh, uh, like to bring it up. Alan, sorry, <coughs> frog in my throat. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, is this Pizza Pizza? Uh, not quite. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> uh, hi, what uh, you wanted me to call, was that because you wanted to uh, listen in or because you had a question or a comment? I had a question on the show. Uh, actually, I'm going to come close to you on the show. Uh, there's no way you could go a little closer to your mouthpiece, is there? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm babysitting. I'm baby watching, I should say. I have a daughter that I'm watching. But um, I wanted to talk. On the, I wanted to, I guess, discuss um, uh, my feelings about the Free State Project, which is kind Sorry, of. Sorry, can you just hold on for a sec? Kind of... I just got to. I got to try and adjust your volume because I'm finding it really hard to hear you. Um, sure. You don't have Skype, I guess, right? No, it's not Skype. It's a cell phone. AT and T, unfortunately, so it's not very do you, good. Do you have a landline by chance that I could call you? Uh, landline, unfortunately, no. Okay, but, uh, uh, go ahead. Just just try and speak slowly because your your connection is a bit rough. So. I just want to uh, to make sure I follow what you're saying. So if you could just speak slowly and try and be as annoyingly distinct as possible. Sure. Let me uh, try to get better reception in, in uh, different rooms. But um, uh, I've been thinking recently about uh, um, I've been I've been listening to a different show that was talking about the idea of uh, I guess people that are kind of like us, people that are liberty minded, um, move to one place, etc. And um, I, I think it's a great idea, but I kind of feel like you know, if I think it's such a great idea, why am I not actively, you know, trying to actually get it accomplished? And uh, I'm kind of just walking through it. And, uh, well, I, I think the, the main thing is I live in Miami, so it's really nice down here. So, you know, it's really hard to think about leaving Miami to go to a place that's very, very cold. 
So that's my first thing as far as like, you know, the reason why I think I haven't really done much about it. But um, the other part about, of course, is, you know, the whole um, having to find a new job, et cetera. So that's kind of a frustration with that. So I just think, you know, is it weird to believe in, in something and see that the only, well, the only opportunity that, that I can see at this point that can actually um, uh, turn into something real in my life and I'm not taking that opportunity. It's just kind of weird. It's just something that I'm trying, I'm trying to work on. I'm not sure how to, how to go through that. Right. So uh, I, I'm trying to make sure that I uh, understand what you're saying. So your question is, uh, you believe uh, in involuntaryism or, or uh, statelessness or whatever, and you would like to find ways to bring that more into uh, into your life uh, in a practical way. Is that right? That's, that's correct, yes. But not just you, in my life specifically, but when? Sorry, you were you also said that you were listening to another show, and I'm certainly no uh, I have no problem with you mentioning the name of that show. Is was it Free Talk Live or something else? Yeah, yeah, it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Yeah, listen, I mean, I'm I'm uh, I have no problem with Free Talk Live uh, as far as the stuff that they go. I mean, you know, more power to them, right? And and I, you know, I was on their show in New Hampshire when I was there, and I've been on their show before, so uh, I certainly don't mind, uh, you know, pimping uh, uh, Ian and uh, and Mark. So, um, so. Uh, now, have you listened to much of the um, uh, of the shows here, or are you more of a a, a, um, a free talk live guy, or other kinds of shows? Um, actually, um, I, I listen to a lot of different things, um, and I've you know, started to listen to you a while, I'll say uh, maybe two months ago, and um, I've I've been going back to the first, the very first, uh, the beginning of your uh, of your podcast because I've gone to you know uh, iTunes and all that. So I've been listening to you extensively recently, uh, but before that it was mainly you know, you know free talk live and uh, some other you know liberty minded uh, type type of individuals. But um, as far as like you know the, the my like my main thing, my main struggle is really um, it, it, I, I feel like there's a conflict there, you know, and and, it, and I can see the practicality of it, which is you know it's hard to just pick up and, and go somewhere else. But at the same time, how else you know how else can you possibly you know, if you want to make a real change in the world. I mean, definitely you go one person at a time. And I, like, for instance, in my job, you know, I, I think that works very well. Like, and, you know, just having, you know, day-to-day conversations with people, you can see how, you know, some of their mindsets, you know, change, but very little. So, for, for example, here in Miami, to, to make any you know, substantial difference would pretty much take my entire lifetime. <laughs> you know, and... and oh, look, I totally, I totally understand. Now, tell me what it is that you have uh, as your... Goal, right? So obviously, we'd all like to live in a stateless society. I mean, at least I assume right, that most right. of us here would. So we can understand that as a goal. But I think we all understand. Uh, I don't care how old you are, you're, you're not going to live in a stateless society, right? I mean, well, maybe I mean, maybe our grandkids, right. maybe our great grandkids, but uh, we're not going to like. There's no way that this giant monolith of the state, which is supported by 99.9999 percent of the population. Uh, is uh, is going to go away in our lifetimes? I think that that is uh, an unrealistic goal to have, and and if you have that goal, then uh, you're just going to spend your life completely frustrated and then feel like a failure. And I don't think that the purpose of wisdom, philosophy, knowledge, and and uh, excellence in the realm of human thought is designed to make you feel like a dismal, futile, frustrated failure. Right? No, I agree. I agree with you on that. And it really is, it's not about the actual, you know, bringing, uh, you know, liberty in my lifetime. I don't think that's really my goal, per se. It's just, you know, when, when for instance, you just uh, turn on the news and you watch, you know, half an hour's worth, actually not even, 10 minutes worth of news. And there's, there's so many things that are just contrary to what reality should be. 
you know, this is, you know, where do you start? If you want to start, you know, changing this, you know, turning this, this massive, massive ocean liner. And it seems to me that not, not that you know, it will actually happen as far as, you know, having a liberty in one's lifetime. But, you know, it seems to me like the most logical point as far as, like, how can I actually start steering this ship? And this may actually be uh, something that's effective. And it seems to me like it would be an effective idea. Right. And I feel like by not participating in it, that I don't know, does it feel conflicted about that? Listen, I, I totally understand. And, and this, uh, this is, to some degree, the content of a book that I'm rather endlessly working on. So I... Um... Uh, I'm not going to go into a too too big a spiel here, but I will because the book will be out uh, soon <laughs> soon I hope. But um, yeah, I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give you my my sort of two bits uh, of it. First of all, the concept of liberty in our lifetime is definitely the goal of of what we're doing here, or at least what I'm doing here, or what I'm trying to do here. And so I think we're on the same wavelength as far as that goes. Now my fundamental approach to to liberty is that liberty cannot be dependent upon the permission of others and it cannot be dependent upon the agreement of others because you can't be free if you attempt to control that which you cannot in fact control right because if you have the illusion that your freedom is dependent upon the agreement of other people then your freedom is dependent upon things outside your control which means you are not in control of your own liberty. Does that make sense? Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, see, I see where you're coming from. In, in a sense, you know, for instance, uh, if you're kind of you know, seeking the validation of, I guess, society in a way to affirm that you are free, in a sense, you know, you're, 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 you're far from your goal. I, that's what I kind of take it, for instance, you know, if I need, like, for, like, one of my goals is not to say, hey, society, you must conform to my ideas. It's more like, okay, you can have your ideas so long as you don't bother me with my ideas. Right. Does that make sense to you? Or? Yeah, it, it really makes sense. Now, this this notion of mine, I'm not saying it's only my notion, but what I keep pumping uh, in this show, is also, it, it, it's important to recognize, which I'm sure you do, but I'll just mention it, that although we say, well, we don't want our liberty to be dependent upon the agreement of others, because that gives us uh, the, the desire to control that which we cannot control. Right. But the reality is that our liberty is constrained by the disagreement of others, right? Because other people say, uh, we need a state, and therefore you and I have to pay taxes and obey certain laws, right? Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to, you know, get to a point where, to, I mean, does, does liberty have to, I mean, does it have to be one or the other? Meaning that can someone consent to be enslaved? And I, I will not, well, not to be enslaved, but to be told what to do until it violates whatever their contract is. And I think people have that right as well. So right. that's why I think, you know, as far as like the idea of the liberty can coexist with the ideas of the state, you know, it's, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of hard to work through. But the truth is, that I do think it it can happen. Meaning that you know you can keep trying to persuade people to move away from the state into liberty, but you know you don't have to you, know, uh, you don't have to you can't say you know the, the ideas of liberty can't coexist. You know, it can't exist so long as there's you know there's a state. Right. So, so we, we can't control other people's opinions, but yet their opinions have a direct impact on our freedom. And that's sort of the paradox that we have to wrestle with. Then it's not an easy paradox by any means. So the questions you're asking are, in my opinion, entirely core, central and, and brilliant relative to the challenges that we face. 
So I'll give you the two seconds on my approach to it. Uh, you can, you know, this is just my opinion, right? And obviously, no stateless society has been created through this process. So I'm not going to say this is proven, but this is the way that I've approached it, uh, at least. And it certainly has worked in my own life and in, in the context of this show. So I'll give you a little fable and uh, um, uh, you can tell me if it makes any sense. So um, let's say that we all grow up in the land of the obese, right? That we're all force-fed junk, uh, as children by state schools, let's say, <laughs> and we all end up in our teenage years obese. And uh, uh, I think that is largely true. Obviously, metaphorically, the state pours a huge amount of propagandistic junk into our brains, and we end up uh, with, you know, just and religion and, and collectivism and junk and crap like that. Not to mention some of the pro-family propaganda, which I have some some issues with. Um, so we end up with a lot of junk and garbage and we, we just, we're fat, right? We're, we're just obese and, and everyone is obese, right? And because everyone's obese, people don't even know what being slender is, right? Because the standard is everybody's 300 pounds, right? Now, if I'm 300 pounds and I want to live in a world of thin people, there's not much point me running around telling people to stop eating if I'm still 300 pounds, right? Yeah, true. Right, so, so yeah. the first thing that I need to do is if I believe that there's this better state called being slender or at least not being morbidly obese, then the first thing that I need to do is to start eating better myself, right? Okay. It's like that thing they have in the, in the airplanes, right? Put the oxygen mask over yourself and then help other people, right? Right, right. So what I would need to do is is to become slender myself. Now, if by becoming slender, I am happier, I am healthier, uh, and, and so on, then how is it that I'm going to motivate other people to start losing weight? Well, the first thing is that I'm going to know that nagging them never works, right? Nagging them, confronting them, none of these things ever work when it comes to motivating other people. You might get, because it's essentially a statist approach, right? To nag and bully people into doing stuff. So what I, what I should do, I think, is I should be openly thin or slender or whatever, a normal way, not obese, right? I'll just say the word slim, uh, slim. I'll be openly slim and I will be quite vocal about how genuinely happy I am now that I'm not carting around all that extra weight, right? Now, in the, in the fat land that I live in, there will be a number of people who don't want to lose weight, a number of people who think that excess weight is healthy, a number of people who believe that I am uh, diseased and sickly. They look at me the way that you and I would look at an anorexic who's like 80 pounds, you know, on death's door or something. And But, but there will be a few people who will be attracted not to my slimness, but to my happiness and to my health. The McDonald's lobby, I guess, right? I'm sorry? <laughs> I said the, the uh, McDonald's lobby, I guess you can call them. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Now, those people will come up to me uh, and will say, you seem quite happy. Is it, and why is it? And you say, well, I'm, I'm happy because you know, I can climb stairs without breathing hard because I can run around 
uh, because I can do cartwheels, because, 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 right? I'm happy because my cholesterol is low and I'm going to live longer and I'm healthier and whatever it is, right? And I'm happy. And those people will say, damn, I want me some of that, right? Right, right. Right, and, and then they will face the same challenge that, that I faced, which is that all the overweight people in their life will start to get anxious and upset if they start losing weight, right? Like if the person who comes up to me and says, why are you happy? I want some of that, right? And so in this way, I gained the benefits of losing weight, obviously, which is first and foremost, liberty and freedom and wisdom and knowledge, self-knowledge in my own life. And secondly, because I have actually lost the weight and it's visible, I will attract the small number of people who will be interested in doing the same thing. See, I'm not, I'm not surrendering anything to anyone else. I'm not turning myself into a slave who has to run around yanking on people's collars and, and, and telling them that by God, they've got to lose weight. Right. right, right. Because that's not a free life. If, if I ignore losing my own weight because I got to run around getting everyone else to lose their weight, a, I'm not free and B it's never going to work anyway. Because if I run around pursuing people to become thin, I can't figure out who the hell is interested in being thin or not. But if I am thin and happy and people are attracted to me because of that, then that is a beautiful selection process, right? Right. The problem with initiating conversations about liberty is you can't figure out who the hell is even remotely interested in it and who the hell is going to be offended or upset or angry or turn trolley on you or whatever, right? But if you're free and happy with great relationships in your own life, then the people who are interested in that are a self-selecting group of the people you actually want to spend time with rather than running around trying to you know, grind everyone down to become free, which is not a self-selecting process. We know how rare it is that people are genuinely interested in liberty and want to pursue it and, and want to take the bullets that come with trying to lift up the human condition, right? We know how rare those people are. So the last thing we want to do, like if you're looking for one, quote, customer in a thousand, the last thing you want to do is drop leaflets, right? <laughs> right? The whole thing about business is, is you know, narrowing your customers, right? That's why the, the Republicans don't spend a lot of time trying to get Barack Obama's wife to vote Republican. But they focus on the people who they can propagandize, who are on the middle, who are in the swing states, right? They focus on those people. And I'm not saying that we would do that, but that's just an example of the first thing is to select and, and the best way to select is to be happy yourself and see who is genuinely interested in happiness based upon their excitement about being around your example, right? Mm. Okay. And so working on freedom, and as I've said a number of times, and I mentioned here again, uh, the, the only freedom that really counts, the only freedom that really matters is the only freedom fundamentally is freedom from illusion, right? The state is an illusion that doesn't exist. Right. Collectivism, the, the tribe is an illusion. A country is an illusion that doesn't exist. God is an illusion that doesn't exist. The only freedom that we fundamentally have is freedom from illusion. And so if you work on organizing your own thinking, becoming more rational, discarding the illusions, challenging the errors that we've all inherited by being force fed all the garbage we were when we were kids, then you will emerge from that process as a real beacon. 
right? A real beacon of freedom. And so what you are is you're like a, um, you're like a, 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 this is a silly metaphor, but it's what pops into my mind. You become like the lights on a landing strip, right? So people are flying, they look down, they see nothing but darkness. It's nighttime for everyone. They're flying through these, the, the night sky, they can see nothing. Now you, by becoming free, turn yourself into landing strips. Now most people don't want to land, don't want to go out of the murk. They're just going to keep flying because that's all they know how to do. But for those who are interested in landing, they have a guide now which they didn't have before. Those who are interested in coming out of the clouds of illusion and putting their feet on the ground of reality, there's a place for them to land, which wasn't there before. Now, you, you, you can't shoot people down, right? Again, to stretch the metaphor beyond all sense, you can't shoot people down because you can't hit them, right? Because they can always just stop talking to you. But you can become a beacon, you can become a, an airstrip, you can become a lighthouse. You can become an inspiration to others who are interested in being free. You have control over that. And even, see, what I'm aiming at is that even if nobody cares about the fact that you're free, you are still free and are much happier thereby. Free from error, free from illusion, free from confusion, free from randomness, free from unexplained, unconstrained emotion. And so even if nobody, like even if you're the only thin guy in fat land, you at least get the health benefits of being free, even nobody else wants to be free. And that makes your life better. So that's my brief thing about... Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I agree with you on all those points. But it's just so amazing, you know, as far as which one is a better better idea. You know, am I, you know, am I, am I better off, you know, this person staying here and, you know, seeing those people, finding those people that, you know, I'm not finding them, but just kind of you know being myself and you know living freely as as, 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 much, as much as one can live freely, and hope that I run into these other people or, or especially the, the, you know, the fact that I have a, a new ten month old. You know, should I should I is this a, the best environment for her to be growing up in? Is another is something else that comes that comes to mind? I don't I don't know. Sorry, you mean like it's it's just harder to find these kinds of people? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. This is I mean I live in Miami, so you, you know we're talking about. Uh, Republican, which is not really Republican, and the Democrats, which are just you know basically uh, you know, Greenpeace mixed with uh, a combination of um, PETA, essentially. <laughs> so um, it's it's just a very weird place to be. But yeah, there are definitely you know some people out there that you know think like I do. It's just you know they're so few and far between. And you know when you're raising a family in in, in, in that environment, you know even if you try your best, you know and try to surround them with with people that think like you. You know, the odds of them, you know, finding out a whole bunch of other people that are <laughs> the, the majority, the, the overwhelming majority, that seem completely different is is pretty large. And I'm 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 hoping that you know my parenting skills will be strong enough to you know, overcome society. But it's kind of like you know swimming swimming uh, upstream. Is which one is the best idea for as far as you know getting getting those scenarios? Yeah, look, it it is really hard to find these people. I mean, I I know that for sure. Um, I mean, we've had, uh, I mean, this show's been running, I don't know, probably around three, three and a bit years. Yeah, a little over three years. We've had maybe a hundred thousand people come through and there may be 50,000 regular listeners. Uh, that's out of a pretty, pretty worldwide audience. Right. And now again, I mean, lots of people, most vast majority of people never heard, but it's hard to find uh, these people. That is a pretty small number of people for such an important conversation. But 
I mean, that that argument for me uh, is like, well, the further the further out at sea the ships are, the brighter the lighthouse needs to be, right? So the more free you need to be because people are so rare who are genuinely interested in freedom, the more free you need to be and the more open you need to be, right? I mean, li- gen- genuine philosophical liberty lovers, you know, we're like... We're like gays in the 15th century, right? Uh, it's, uh, you know, we've we got to come out of the closet and, you know, uh, uh, unleash our boas of freedom and uh, <laughs> stride confidently down with the assless chaps of philosophical wisdom uh, and uh, have our own pride parade, so to speak, right? I think we have to be open and honest about the, um, uh, the freedoms and the joys that we have in our lives. Uh, and simply because it is so rare to find people who are genuinely interested, so the more visible, I think, and 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 uh, and, uh, uh, and open uh, we need to be, if that makes sense. And, and I think you're, you're right in the sense that you know it feels like the, the time is right, you know, for for our movement to finally step out of the of the shadows, because before we just couldn't reach the, the the amount of people that you know we could reach before, and, and now with you know with the advent of the internet, et cetera, it just seems it's, it's a lot easier to reach people that would you know think like you. So it does seem like you know if there's going to be a time right now is that time to to, to make that to, to step out of the closet for that. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, it, it is you know philosophy's a bitch, right? It it absolutely is. But and I'm going to do a whole video on this. But but basically, what other time in history would you like? Would you prefer to be? Mm, that's true. Uh, do you want to be around in the 1950s or the 19 or the 1850s or the 1750s or the the 50s, <laughs> the zero 50s? Right? Do you want to be around when uh, uh, guys who claim to be able to come back from dead and walk on water were treated as non-epileptic <laughs> lunatics, but instead the sons of God? Do you want to be back in the Roman times, where you know the majority of the population was enslaved? Do you want to be in the uh, ancient Greek times, where pederasty, child abuse, and the subjugation of women were? The backbone of society. I mean, do you want to be around in the uh, uh, in the 13th century with the Black Death, or the uh, 15th century uh, with uh, the expansion of the slave trade, or the 19th century with uh, the expansion of the uh, European empires and subjugation of foreign people? Do you want to be around with monarchies? Do you I understand? That, do you want to be around where uh, it was uh, impossible to have alternate viewpoints or to be an open uh, atheist uh, because you you would be killed uh, or uh, at least thrown in jail? So you and I can have this conversation without fear, or at least with almost no fear, of political or legal repercussions. Um, we can have this conversation for a very small investment in technology. Uh, we can record this conversation and repeat it at relatively low cost to anyone in the world who wants to listen. Uh, I, I certainly would have vanished like a bird flying overhead in, in the night. I would have vanished uh, in history, uh, in any history before the present. Um, and I know that for a fact because I tried to get books published for 20 years before FDR and quite wisely, the publishers were not at all interested because the amount of marketing versus return on investment, uh, you know, the amount of marketing to find somebody who actually wants to get involved in what I'm talking about is so ridiculously uh, excessive that, uh, they would have to spend a, you know, a $10,000 in, adver- in advertising in advertising for every one book that I would sell, right? So they were quite wise in not um, uh, in not publishing my books. And so prior to the internet, prior to this conversation, uh, I would have utterly vanished. There is no possibility that I ever would have been able to achieve anything prior to 
this particular tiny time slice of history, like over the past four or five years, since broadband, since podcasting, since iPod, since all of that, since burning CDs and DVDs came into possibility, I simply would have would have completely vanished. So I know that for myself, there is no other time in history that I would rather be born. I could say, wow, what about the future? Well, who knows what the future is? And even then, I'd still rather be here now at the beginning of things, laying the foundation rather than in the future, just doing the mere building up. So uh, I know that for myself, there's no better, uh, more exciting, more wonderful, more possible uh, chance to, and no better time to be around than now. It is the most exciting uh, supernova of human thought in human history. And I don't mean this. I mean the, the internet as a whole, of which this is a part, right? So I just think, gosh, yeah, it's tough. But my God, what, what an incredible series of rockets we have underneath us now for the first and so far the only time in history. Yeah, definitely. And for now, pretty much all, all I'm doing is, is, is you know, a lot of the things that you said, which is you know, try to live as, I guess, as morally as, as, as I can, and um, at the same time, trying to better myself on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate your, your time. Thank you. And uh, do keep us posted about how you, uh, we get into some of this stuff pretty early on uh, in the podcast series. So uh, just let us know how you, uh, how you enjoy it as you go forward. Thank you so much. Well done. Thank you. All right, take care. Oh, I was just muted there, wasn't it? Uh, Yes, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. um, uh, Thank you so much for for that. Um, And then I segued into something else. Oh, it was just fantastically exciting as well. Uh, Sorry, I just, I just, I muted so that because Christina wants to listen to the show. Um, uh, I have it on speakers, but then I have to mute myself and I'm sorry, I forgot to. Uh, to unmute there, and uh, it is it is the best time in the world for us to be doing what we're doing, and I think we should be very grateful for the opportunity to have this kind of community. Somebody asked if I'm going to do any more Uvu shows. We want to see Izzy. Yes, I would love to do more Uvu shows. I'd love to do Sunday shows where people dial in and we talk, because then I'd also have a video as well. But uh, that is a challenge because a lot of people don't have the bandwidth or the webcams to do that. You may have noticed when you come into the FDR chat room that um, there is uh, a link to a video chat at the top, and uh, you're welcome to play around with that. That comes out of the Uvu subscription that I have, uh, where we get a, uh, a chat room uh, as part of the bundle. And uh, that is, of course, something paid for by subscribers and donators. Uh, just as a reminder, all of the goodies here are paid for by subscribers and donators. I don't have any advertising, and the book sales, the profits from the book sales are pretty negligible, so... Uh, because, you know, they're free for people who don't want to buy. So uh, if you haven't, and remember, we just got this, well, I guess relatively recently got this fairly exciting $4,300 bill for the FDR server. And uh, if you would like to chip in for that, that would be most appreciated. That does not count the bandwidth costs. We're up at around 2.5 terabytes of podcast downloads per month. Uh, so that's quite a few people who are downloading the podcast and quite a lot of the podcasts as well. So if you would like to chip in for those server costs, the best way to do that is $10, $20, $50 subscription per month. Gratefully appreciated um, $10 subscription. What is that? 30 cents a day. Um, I hope that you can find the conversation worth at least that. And uh, this does give you access to premium podcasts that and private boards, which you can use for discussing more personal topics. So if you would like to, just go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate dot HTML. All right, so uh, we do have time for one more question, if 
somebody wishes to ask it. Oh, yeah, sorry. The video chat is not cross-platform. We've looked into a variety of solutions for that. We haven't found anything particularly satisfactory as yet. We did have one, but I think they went away. But um, it is at the moment not Mac compatible. But with the Mac, you can take webcam pictures of an Etch-A-Sketch and upload them. So, Oh, it does work with the Mac. Okay. And remember, if you are, uh, somebody wrote here, after being unemployed for almost six months, I can't make donations. And that uh, I fully accept and understand. But remember that there's lots of things that you can do if you are interested in uh, helping to spread the value of philosophy, right? Because I haven't advertised in a while, particularly new members of the community, uh, it seems likely that, I mean, you, I guess you either did a Google thing or whatever, but a lot of you have mentioned that you have been referred by other people or someone sent you an email or whatever. And I don't do email campaigns at least very rarely. So uh, the likelihood is that somebody sent you an email or you got some sort of contact from someone about uh, Free Domain Radio. And remember that um, you can do that as well, right? There is uh, freedomainradio.com forward slash referrals.html. Is it forward slash referrals.html? Let me just double check that. But uh, you can um, uh, send podcast links to whoever you want. And uh, there are tools on the website to help you do that which I think will be uh, very uh, helpful for you. Freedomainradio.com forward slash referral. You can uh, send podcasts off, uh, send the greatest hits feed. You can send books uh, off to people embedded automatically in the email. You can send it to yourself if you want to. Um, so if we've tried to make it as easy as possible. Obviously, don't spam people if you can avoid it. But uh, if you spread the word, that is a wonderful way. You know, my, my, you know put on a, a TV show or something or watch something fun on the web and just, you know, do a search for people who are interested in philosophy or libertarianism or anarchism. Grab an email and send, uh, uh, send uh, a, an invite, right? My, just do it once. You know, these are my suggestions because you certainly don't want to be intrusive. But uh, it's not like you're trying to sell anything. It's not multi-level marketing because there's, no, <laughs> there's nothing to sell on the site, right? So I hope that you could... Um, uh, I hope that you would spend a little bit of time if you don't have the money to to support the show. I hope that you will spend a little bit of time uh, maybe sending around some referrals and getting other people interested so that they can also gain some of the benefits of the wisdom that we hopefully talk about here. So that would be really appreciate that as well. Yeah, I did mention July 4th. It's uh, earlier in the show for the person who just joined. Uh, any updates on how to achieve freedom? Um, there are three uh, three chapters that I still need to write. The 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 core of the book is done, uh, but there are three chapters that I need to write, um, which I'm still uh, I'm still mulling my way through on how best to organize. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm going to make the case that the state is an effect of the family, I think that I need to do the research and make that case. And the way to make that case, in my opinion, or at least the way that I'm approaching it, is to go through a number of the major political and philosophical thinkers and see the degree to which they use the uh, the family as a metaphor for the state, right? And uh, that is slow going, and that is uh, a challenge. And um, uh, so that is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to just say it. I want to actually make the case. And we saw that in the Socrates series. If you haven't seen that, you might want to check that out. It's a playlist on my uh, youtube.com forward slash free domain radio. Uh, we saw that very clearly in the Socrates video, how the state was metaphorized out of the family for sure. 
And if we can find that, which I know I can, because I've gone through that once before, if I can find consistent quotes from the major uh, philosophical and political thinkers metaphorizing the family uh, as the state, uh, or rather the state as the family, then I think that that case will be as close to being clinched as it possibly can. I don't want to just make that statement without the... um, uh, yeah, I've, I've asked for some help from the psychohistory group from this as well, uh, and there I'm sure will be will be will be helping me out with some of that as well. It doesn't need to be, you know, an entire book in and of itself because, you know, for some people a reasonable amount of proof is enough. Uh, for those with whom it's not, enough, more proof won't won't help anything. So I sort of want to balance that. And there are two other chapters, mostly which involve research, which uh, I will uh, have to do mostly to do with the correlation of uh, some correlation between criminality and child abuse and so on, right? Because we want to state the society, which means that we need fewer criminals, which means that um, we want to uh, try to uh, uh, try to find the causes of criminality, criminality so that we can uh, reduce it. And of course, better parenting results in lower criminality, which means that a stateless society becomes more conceptually possible. So, or at least easier to understand for people. So, so those are the, that's sort of where the book is uh, is at the moment. It's uh, it is uh, it is slow going, and uh, I am still working, of course, on you know, regular stuff, uh, and the, um, uh, some of the, uh, uh, second edition stuff with the books as well. And so, yeah, that's just a lot, a lot on my plate along with, uh, that pesky parenting thing. So, uh, so that's, that's sort of where things are sort of bore everyone with these <laughs> updates. But, uh, I was thinking if, if, for the PKs, for the philosopher Kings, the, the, the most generous donators, uh, I was going to release the, um, audiobook preview of where the book is. The book is, I mean, the book is, is whole and complete and I could release it right now, but it just doesn't have the empirical evidence, which if I'm going to make startling claims, I really need to provide. Otherwise, I'm just preaching to the choir. So I want to be able to have the lever that is going to move people who disagree, which of course is perfectly valid and fair uh, requirement. And that is uh, really the empirical evidence that I need to, to provide. So maybe I'll post the audio preview of the book uh, up in the PK section if people are interested. Uh, people have said, would some of our stories be helpful? Um, I, I certainly, I mean, I find them always helpful, but uh, I don't think that I can quote them because people need the independence of being able to go and look up the quotes and references themselves. So, Can we help at all? Well, that's uh, wonderfully kind. Um, the, the problem that, that I have is that this kind of research, um, it, you know, once you get into a rhythm of doing the lookups, and again, thank heaven for Gutenberg texts and all that kind of stuff, right? Because otherwise, it would just be completely brutal to, uh, you know, go through all the books that I have uh, that I went through in various times in my education, find all the references that I need. But uh, I certainly will keep that in mind, and that's very, very kind. Thank you. But um, uh, right now, it's the kind of thing where once I get get into a rhythm of it, uh, it's easy to do. Uh, if I do find out that there's just simply more than I can do, and it's easier to do to sort of get other people up to speed on how to do it, I will definitely do that. And thank you so much for the offer. All right. Last call for questions, just before I completely put everyone to sleep with the minutiae of FDR business. You torturing her with breast milk again? <laughs> Isabella, it can be quite a thrashy feeder. We've actually found something, and I hope it's not mocking, found something kind of interesting. Um, which is uh, when, when she's upset, and we've only really seen her cry four times that I can recall. The first time she got an inoculation, uh, when we trim her nails, it is really, really a tricky surgical business uh, because her nails get so long she scratches herself, and then she caresses her. She's got this really, really, she's developed this really gentle touch as she gets um, a b- better control over her. Like Originally, it was just like, 
you know, grab and squeeze. But now she actually caresses, which is a beautiful thing. But her nails are so long or were so long that she would sort of grab a part of you and you'd be like, oh, I don't want, you know, but because if she closes her hands, yeah, it's like a cat, right? And so uh, she, it's really because we swaddle her quite tightly so that she sleeps better. So we can't cut her nails then. Whenever she's awake, it's impossible to cut her nails because her hands are always in motion. And so she fell asleep uh, and we were able to cut her nails. But her hands will twitch. And, of course, if you snip wrong, you can end up cutting her. The, 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 just her little fingertips. You don't snip anything off. But it's, it, it's painful for her, right? And Christina did it once and I did it once. And it's just heartbreaking because she starts in her sleep and then she takes... She literally will open her, her mouth, not cry, turn beet red, and Christina's like, breathe, breathe, right? And then, wah, you know, out it comes, right? Oh, no, the one other time is we put her in a bouncer, and she bumped her head, and she also didn't like that very much, so that's not going to be coming out for another month or so, because she's two days, three days away from being five months old, two days away from being five months old. And so, uh, yeah, so there were two inoculations and two um, think nail, nail clipping incidents where she really had... Uh, had uh, a big cry but other than that she really doesn't uh, doesn't cry at all which is just fantastic but uh, she definitely is a bit of a thrashy feeder uh, and that can be can be quite exciting is she oh yeah the part about mocking her so uh, when she cries uh, she sort of goes uh, she 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 uses these phonetics that she doesn't use at any other time right so she's she's doing her raspberries and she's doing a little bit of gurgling and burbling but she's not really doing ba 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 ga 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 as yet a little bit here and there but um when she cries, she's very, it's very specific. She uses M's, right? She goes, me, me, like it's just, it's completely heartbreaking, right? And so when she starts to get upset, uh, just out of curiosity, I tried going, me, me, to her. And she actually just started laughing, which was completely strange. But so we do that from time to time. Um, she is not sleeping through the night. In fact, uh, that is uh, a, uh, a big a big problem. Yeah, it is a big problem. Uh, her her sleep is her daytime sleep is much better. She's getting two apps of two naps in of two hours at a time, which is obviously she's following daddy's schedule. But um, uh, night times are either okay to brutal. Um, do you want to do you want to step people through last night just in case they're thinking of breeding? So last night I uh, successfully put Isabella to bed at about 9 o'clock. Uh, it wasn't a struggle at all. Getting her to sleep isn't a big struggle. Usually uh, I can rock her to sleep within 5 to 10 minutes. Yesterday she was obviously very tired. She can put up a struggle and uh, she was she closed her eyes and fell asleep very quickly. So I proceeded to go to bed. It was about, uh, it, actually it was exactly 10.52 when I took my glasses off, put them on the nightstand and pulled the covers over my head. <laughs> And at precisely 10.57, so five minutes later, Isabella let out a wail. So I got up and I gave her her pacifier and she settled and uh, seemed to go back to sleep. It was an hour later, so it was 11.56 when she wailed again. I, she woke me from a sleep. I think I must have been pretty deep in, in sleep because uh, I was completely dazed. Um, I couldn't soothe her. Uh, I couldn't rock her. So uh, And I was... Uh, I just I couldn't carry her either so I just brought her into bed and uh, I fed her in bed uh, she hadn't slept oh sorry and she hadn't eaten since about um, she had a real good meal a real real solid meal about 630 and she had a little snack before she went to sleep at 830 so I fed her and she seemed to fall asleep and then it was once an hour every hour from that point on so um, 
every hour she would wake up, she moans. She does this thing where she's just moaning in her sleep and she's, uh, she's t- swaddled tightly and we have her lying on her back. So the only thing that's really movable, she can raise her legs and thump them or she can turn her head from side to side. And she does that with her eyes closed and she moans. And it's pretty consistent from 2 a.m. Uh, last night until about 5 a.m. And at 5 a.m. I'd had enough. Uh, three hours of moaning and no way to to calm this child down uh, and I went and got staff and the interesting thing is that when she woke me I went me me <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I was up with her for a couple of hours and then I got a nap in this morning and you took her then and, and she went back to sleep again this morning she's been fine all day but yeah she's uh, she's uh, having a lot of vivid dreams uh, a lot of growth uh, and uh, you know she's just very very active physically and mentally yeah, so uh, that that's sort of uh, what the night looks like. Uh, she does her her first two hours, two to three hours of sleep at night are pretty good. She's pretty calm. Um, we've had successfully once when she was about ten or twelve weeks old. She slept seven hours. We were shocked. Uh, we kept expecting her to wake up with a whale, but she didn't. She's never repeated that. Um, the next longest period of time that she has slept has been six hours and that's only happened once or twice um and then for a period of time she was doing at least four hours which was great and we thought we were on a a, an improvement schedule but now it's more like two or three hours before she wakes and needs to be soothed or needs to be fed or something so um it's it's uh i'm tired (laughs) that's all i have to say yeah, somebody, I don't know if you heard that, somebody wrote in the chat window that uh, their child started sleeping in about six months. And certainly, you know, the, the interesting thing is she's done uh, twice now. She's been able to fall asleep where I've just laid her down awake uh, and she's actually put herself to sleep without without rocking, without uh, without feeding, without uh, without anything, but with, definitely with a swaddle. So, I mean, there are definitely signs of improvement, but um, the nights are the nights are brutal. The nights are just brutal. And, uh, but you know, she's, uh, she's happy, she's healthy, she's vibrant, she's energetic. So she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Daytime. She's a perfect baby. It's naughty nights and daddy gets to sleep right through them. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) Anything you want to say to the audience readers? No eating the microphone. (laughs) That's all she does. And 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 swear to God, she she breastfeeds like she's being waterboarded with breast milk. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, the thrashing, the avoidance, and all that. It's like you will sleep at night, or we will continue to waterboard you with food. Hi. Here we go, mommy. <laughs> all right, sorry, we're gonna bore everyone with not just FDR business, but parent nonsense. So. Uh, all right. Any any questions? Any? Oh, she's fantastic. She is just a wonderful, wonderful kid. And this is a time when um, uh, this is a time when she's just doing new stuff all the time. Uh, I mean, the, the, the growth that is occurring for her is just fantastic mentally and physically, and the skills that she's getting uh, is, is just fantastic. So this is a very, very exciting time, and definitely over the next couple of months as she learns to crawl and walk and then stick the landing with the backflips, that's going to be all too cool. Yeah, somebody's saying we've been pretty lucky with Ara. She's been pretty easy to put down, uh, put her to sleep since she was four months old, but her, uh, 
she's down and she's out in five minutes without much fuss. And that is, uh, that is fantastic. That is, uh, we've heard that. Yeah, I was just talking to a neighbor of ours down the street whose wife is pregnant with their second boy. And he was saying, oh, yeah, no, our boy, uh, you know, we put him down to sleep anywhere and he sleeps for like 12 hours. And I said, that's wonderful. Don't tell my wife or she's likely to strangle you involuntarily. And no court of uh, sleepless mothers would convict her. But uh, that is fantastic. Uh, definitely such um, uh, such children are a real joy. And, of course, she is a real joy as well. And, you know, what we sort of talk about or the way that we process is, is it certainly is a phase that will pass. Although we, when we went to see her doctor, um, her doctor was saying uh, that her, her sister is still having huge sleep issues with their kid who's two, two-year-old, right? So obviously we don't, we don't want to be going there, but I don't think that will be, no, uh, will be the case. Yeah, it's definitely getting better. And of course, she would rather sleep, right? She's certainly not doing anything to us, right? She would rather sleep well. She would rather sleep comfortably. So it is, uh, it's much tougher for her than it is for us. Um, she's just, you know, she has the metabolism that she has uh, and you get the baby that you get, right? And uh, we are completely thrilled with her and would not exchange her for anything or anyone. But And all babies are going to have something, right? So either, oh, there's a little slow in their development about certain things, you worry about that. Or, you know, she's never even had a cold, right? Uh, so, uh, or they're, you know, consistently sick and you worry about that. I mean, it's always something, right? And so we're not going to complain about uh, the deal we've gotten, which is a uh, a very positive and wonderful thing. People have been asking for more photos, so we will... We will put a photo in. Is that, is that one okay? Yeah, we just took this photo during the show. So this is Isabel trying to sit. fresh Izzy. She's just learning how to sit. And so... Why? <laughs> All right, uh, Izzy. So we'll just post this one as people are asking for photos. And we look, we appreciate uh, that everyone's interested. It is, uh, it is a fascinating thing and a wonderful thing to, to be a parent. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, sometimes uh, Isabella looks really intelligent. This picture is not one of those times. She was tipping. <laughs> she was tipping. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, you know, just so you can see the full. Oh, that's a nice picky. Which one? No, thank you. No? Okay. Ah. Uh -huh. she stopped. Whenever she says something exciting, she stops talking. It's right in her mouth. Oh, oh it's clobbered. Nice, truly. Uh, she's marked it. The territory. <laughs> yeah, her immune system is quite powerful, but remember, we don't have a lot of friends, so it's not like she's getting exposed to a lot of germs. Uh, somebody has mentioned, uh, I don't know, if, uh, I, I think it's to do with um, with sleeping. I mean, since nobody else has any questions and we still have a little bit of time, if you'd like to bring it up, uh, if do you have a, do you have a mic? Or a, uh, do you have a mic? Yeah, and you can tell it's Sunday because that's her bib. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sunday call-in bib, that's right. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, we are probably done with the uh, with the show as we come to a highly professional end, as usual. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's uh, that's all we have. So, uh, right. That's it. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, have yourselves a wonderful week, and uh, thank you so much for the uh, the calls. 
and uh, we really do appreciate that. And um, have yourselves a, a fantastic week. I will be around this week, of course. And uh, we will talk to you same bat time, same bat channel. And uh, we will also post the. Um, oh yeah, I, I wanted. I was thinking of this, uh, and I, I think you you probably would be interested. Uh, I was thinking. Um, uh, so in order to. Um, uh, take a break from podcasting and continue to work on the books. I was thinking of releasing the uh, symposium uh, audio from last year, which was uh, our symposium on real-time relationships, where Christina gave a most excellent presentation on uh, uh, on on every aspect that I fall short of in RTR. Um, and uh, so, obviously, that was most of the day. But uh, I was thinking of just releasing the um, uh, the uh, audio from the symposium, which I thought was very interesting, but and it's twenty bucks for it's been twenty bucks for a while, but nobody's bought it for a while, so I thought I'd just release it to the general stream because I think people would really enjoy that, and people do have, of course, a lot of questions about RTR, which we went into in some pretty great detail during that uh, weekend in Miami last uh, last January. So, thank you all so much. Have yourselves a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon. That wasn't me. That was uh, Isabella. <laughs>